Good morning, Middle. Will you stand and join me in the invitation to worship? Come, Holy Spirit of God, bring your mighty power into our lives. Come, Holy Spirit of love, burn light, bright flames in our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit of hope, be with us today in our thoughts and our prayers. Come, Holy Spirit of power, be with us in our words and our deeds, and all will know the Amen. Good morning, everybody. Today we have the most beautiful and fabulous honor of baptizing one of our little people. One of the most amazing things about um, getting a Master of Divinity is you get to like baptize people. This is a really cool job. <laughs> um, and in our tradition, we baptize children and we baptize adults because we understand that baptism is really about what God is doing that God claims us before we can claim ourselves. God knows us before we have speech. God made us awesomely and wonderfully in our mom's wombs. Here come the babies. And so we baptize adults and children because all of us belong to God. And this wonderful universal symbol, this water, this water symbolizes blessing and life and marks the beginning of Ella's journey that will continue her whole life long. The spiritual community supports a family's sacred task of nurturing the heart and mind of this child, guarding her freedom and opportunities 
Not only that, we weave the threads of culture, history, values, arts, wisdom, visions, and justice into a fabric that enfolds the family in an interconnected web of all existence. The support of the entire community, parents, godparents, family, and congregation is essential to the continuing unfolding of Ella's life and blessing. We are responsible for her and for all the children and promises to offer safety, affection, encouragement, challenge, and learning your whole life long. And so today, as we baptize Ella Marie, who is loved by the God who she can't yet know, parents and godparents, you speak for her today. Will you pray for Ella and teach her the way of love? Will you care for her, nurture her spiritually, and grow in faith? If so, say, we will. We will. Middle Church, will you pray for Ella, child of God, and be a safe place for her to grow in faith, in confidence of God's grace? If so, say, we will. We will. Middle Young People, will you be special friends to Ella, show her where all the toys are, show her where the bathroom is? If so, say, yes, we will. Let us pray. God, here is Ella Marie, your beloved child. We ask you to bless her all her life long with your mercy and your goodness. Walk with her, shelter her, inspire her, and comfort her. Amen. Amen. Mommy and Daddy, say the full name of this beautiful one. Ella Marie Lonborg. One more time. Ella Marie Lonborg. Ella Marie, yes, this is the microphone. I'm so thrilled today to baptize you in the name of God. I know, it's all good. God, there's Mama. I know. She's right there. Look, look, Mommy, let's have Mommy come closer. You love Jackie. You really do. What's happening? <laughs> you, you and I have a thing going on. What's up? I baptize you in the name of God, whom Jesus called Daddy, and in the name of Jesus, who welcomed all the children. I know. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, Aww. who will always be your friend. That water is a little cold. It really is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is your baby, middle, middle people. Sometimes they're cranky, and sometimes they're not.
right, my name is Marta. I use she, her pronouns, and I am so excited to invite my friends up for the message for all ages. You can join me up on the blanket. Oh, thanks for helping making sure it spread really nicely. Yep, it spread. You can jump on with me. It's not like parachute, but that would be fun. We're not going to play parachute on the stage, though. So, there we go. Spot for new friends, returning friends. Happy to see all your faces. We even have our new baptized friend, Ella Marie. Hello, welcome back. So, I have a question for you guys. When you think of God, do you picture God as a man, as a woman, as someone totally beyond a gender category, maybe even? Yeah, I got some yas from the grown-ups out there. So some people, when they talk to God or talk about God, they might use he. Some people might use she, her. Some people might use they, them, when they talk about God. Like, they love you so much. Or they made you fearfully and wonderfully. Or you can talk to them in prayer. Some people think about God as more than just a boy, more than just a girl. And they, them, helps them relate and think to God that way. You know what? We are made in God's image. Each of us, each one of you. So we can also relate to one another sometimes, not just using he or she, but we can also use they and them. Like you might be at the park and you might ask your grown-up, hey, can I ask them to play? You might be talking about one buddy you noticed at the park and you might have so much fun with them so you will exclaim, they are a really nice friend. They shared their toys with me. And that might make that person feel really good because some of us feel really good with he some of us feel really good with she, and some of us feel really good with they or them. So on this Pentecost Sunday, we're celebrating all different languages, all different cultures, all different kinds of people. And I think it would be extra awesome on Pentecost if we also thought about how we can best honor and respect one another. And that might be a he, she, or a they. And we can know that when we ask our friends, what feels best to you? For me, she feels best, but I have friends that they feels best to them. So let's use Pentecost as a launching point to think about how to love each other and on each other with all those different ways. Are you in? I got some nods. Okay, let's say a prayer together. You can join hands if you're comfortable. You can also just stand next to your buddies. That works too. Let's link up. Dear God. Dear God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. And making each of us special. And making each of us special. Help us to show love. Help us to show love. By honoring one another. By honoring one another. Amen. All right, my friends, let's sing some Sihamba.
Happy Pride, everyone. Uh, welcome to our ongoing series that's bigger than Advent, which is Pride Month at Middle Church. And um, we thank you that you're all here today, and it can continue all day long, because Jackie is going to be speaking in Brooklyn this afternoon with Betty and I think Lisa Cron, is, how, is that is how you say her last name? Um, uh, in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn, you can see that on, tw on Twitter, uh, St. Anne's Church there. Um, this morning, Ivan taught Bible in the Middle. Thank you for your lay leadership. And this afternoon, Matt Lynn, who I know saw, Matt Lynn, great, is teaching with Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis an amazing class on Howard Thurman. So if you'd like to know more about Howard Thurman, Jackie will be talking a little bit about it in her sermon, and um, he was an amazing mentor to MLK. Um, Pentecost Potluck is happening again after this worship service, so we want you to connect with each other and know more than each, uh, know more than each other's faces, so we hope you join us for that. And um, June 19th, please mark your calendars. It's going to be a big party here at Middle on a Wednesday night from 6 to 9. Titus Burgess will gift us with his voice. Um, and it will be our opening, and Alex and Madge will also be singing. So we hope you come out and help us raise great funds for All Things Pride and the Audrey Lord Project. We're in partnership with Union Seminary on that. Uh, there's a new member orientation next week and the week after. So if you're thinking about joining Middle, jump right in and you can participate in the Middle. Um, do we have any visitors here who might be here for the first time today? If you just want to raise your hand. Oh, great. Where are you visiting from? Connecticut. Are you on sabbatical? Yeah. Well, thanks for the tweet this morning. Um, he tweeted this morning about this, this Middle Church. So what, what is your name? Hey, from California. Hey. Wonderful. Thanks for visiting. And all this whole row is from France. So we're excited you're with us today. And you can join Middle Church from France or from California just by going online and joining us virtually. And um, you can be a part of all kinds of classes, like Jackie's going to teach a queer theology class the last Wednesday of June. So we're very excited you're all here, and Amanda's going to lead us in prayer. Thank you, Christina. Let's go to God now in prayer. If we are still long enough, we might feel your spirit. If we listen closely enough, we might hear your still small voice. If we look hard enough, we might see something of your holiness. On Pentecost, the day we call the birth of the church universal, we realize that we don't always have to be so quiet, so still, so deeply in search, because sometimes God comes like a warm fire, like a welcome wind. 
Middle family, we don't have to wonder too long what it might have been like to be gathered in a room with people from so many different places, California, France, Connecticut, so many backgrounds and cultures, speaking so many different languages. Because this room, we remind each other of that today. Only we are a room changed by the Holy Spirit. God's holiness has washed over us in such a way that our humanness to draw lines no longer makes sense. So God, we pause today to thank you for gifting us to speak the same languages of love, justice, and peace. A gift that didn't only come to some based on ethnicity or social standing, gender, where we live. No, it was a gift that fell on all people and still falls on all today. As such, we Pentecost people are changed by the unifying power of the Holy Spirit. So today we wonder, how will we be changed by the Spirit this year? Who will we be, middle? Who will you be? I pray we will be kind. I pray we will bless our children. I pray we will welcome the disruptor and learn from the people society calls difficult. I pray we will forgive one another, care for each other, as if we were our own, because we are. I pray we will be seekers of your word and people of devout prayer. I pray we will be so moved by the Spirit that our goodness spills out into the streets and changes public discourse. Like this Wednesday, when Jackie and faith leaders from all over the country will go to Washington for a moral call to action, embodying the spirit of the prophet Jeremiah when Jeremiah said, go to the royal palace and deliver this message. Say, listen to what God says, O king of Judah. You who sit on David's throne, you and your officials and all the people who go in and out of those palace gates. This is God's message. Attend to matters of justice. Set things right. And like tomorrow night, when we will go downtown to demand justice for Leilene Polanco, a trans woman found dead in her sale at Rikers on Friday. As a microcosm of our world, the trans housing unit at Rikers falls short of protecting trans people. Spirit of God, fall upon us anew voice of God speak truth into our lives.
we believe your spirit will renew us. Remembering our unity is not uniformity, but rather it binds us together to work for a new world in the name of holiness, goodness, and love. Breathe in that spirit, middle family. Usher that spirit in. It is all around. Amen. I invite you to stand now as you are able and reach across and grab the hand of someone close to you. And we will say together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, which is printed in your worship folder. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done. Breathe in a spirit of peace this Pentecost also, and pass that peace with one another. May the peace of God be with you, and also with you.
Amen, choir. <laughs> good morning, Middle Church, or good afternoon. Good afternoon. Today's scripture reading comes from the Act of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Today I'll be reading from the version of the Bible uh, titled The Message, which is a contemporary reading or a translation. Listen to these words with new ears. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then. Devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our own various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of anything about it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? 
Others joked, they are drunk on cheap wine. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. have to giggle at that text. <laughs> First, all those words, you know, femfliglia and cheap wine. Will you, say, will you say a prayer with me, please? God, thank you for a place of love and laughter and passion, the place we call home at middle. And thank you for this word. Help it to be something meaningful to us. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in our sight. God, our rock, and our redeemer. <laughs> the children are talking. They're speaking in tongues. Somebody say amen. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> not even a little bit. So Bertram got married two weeks ago. Let me just say that. <laughs> Is Jason still here? No, he oh, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> Love is a many-splendored thing. So at some time, the latter half of the first century in the late 60s, meaning before there was a 100, and the Jewish people have been in diaspora, dispersion, or in Hebrew, galut, exile, since the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonians conquered the kingdom of Judah, part of the Jewish population was deported into slavery, and although Cyrus the Great, the Persian, who conquered Babylon, permitted the Jews to return back to their homeland, some of the Jews stayed in Babylon. And that was the beginning of the diaspora. In fact, in Alexandria, the capital city of Egypt, in the first century, 40% of that population in Egypt was Jewish. Around the time Acts was written, there were about 5 million Jews I don't know how they did the census, but there were about five million Jews in the known world, and almost all of them lived outside of Jerusalem, Judah, Palestine. Yes, it was Palestine then. So in all of this time, there were Jews living everywhere. I mean, they're Torah learning, Hebrew-speaking Jews living in these foreign Gentile lands. And so now they've come home to Israel, Palestine, Judah, Judea, um, for the festival of Shavuot, say that with me, Shavuot, simply means sevens in Hebrew. So it's called the Feast of Weeks, the Festival of Weeks, because it happens 49 days after the Passover. Passover is the holiday where the Jews celebrate being liberated by God, released from slavery, and Shavuot is the holiday where they celebrate getting the Tablets with the law on it given to Moses. So everybody journeys to Jerusalem to hang out for this holiday. And that's what's happening right now. This story in Acts, Jesus has 
died. He's made some resurrection appearances. He's had some snacks with folks, proving that he's really a evil baby to eat. He's got some fish going on. Touching, people touching his wombs, and all that kind of stuff's happening. And now, now, the, now the disciples are gathered in an upper room. And all the stuff that Bertram read, I made him read the hard words, all the stuff that he read is happening while the disciples up in this room, the wind is coming, the blowing is making such a noise that all the people that are gathered come outside of the room to find out what in the heck is going on. And they're real people from real places. I mean, these names are ancient and we don't know them, but if you're a Parthenian or a Mede or an Elamite, you're from modern day Iran. And if you're from Mesopotamia, you're from modern day Iraq, Kuwait, and Syria, between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. If you're from Judea, you're from Judea, Palestine. If you're from Rome, you're from Rome. Still Rome. But if you're from Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, or Phrygia, or Pamphylia, you're from Turkey. And if you're from Egypt, you're from Egypt. That works. But if you're from Cyrene, you're from Libya. So all of these are real towns with real people. If you're from Crete, you're from another part of Greece. And if you're Arabs, you are from Saudi Arabia. Isn't that wild? All of those people traveled all of that way to get to Jerusalem for this holiday, and they're standing, and suddenly the, the disciples who speak Aramaic, which is kind of like Hebrew, are speaking Aramaic, but they hear Crete. Speaking Aramaic, and they hear Libyan. Speaking Aramaic, and they hear Egyptian. That's wild. So this isn't about some kind of tongues that are made up that are sound like gibberish, to be honest. This is about real languages in the mouths of people who shouldn't be able to speak them. Now, these guys, these Jewish folks are used to hearing the Torah and all the Hebrew words in, in their own language, in their own context. But in this place, they're in a strange land, and they are hearing this miraculous thing happen. The miracle is a miracle of communication. It's a miracle of understanding. It's a miracle of interpretation. And it's a miracle that has both a promise and a purpose. The promise is, Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait there. And when you get there, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and give you power so you can be my witnesses. And the purpose is, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and all over the earth. You will be my witnesses. Promise, purpose, and power to do the work. You'll be my witnesses. You'll testify. You will tell the stories of what the reign of God looks like right here, right now, so it can become on earth as it is in heaven. So what does it mean to be a witness? Thanks be to God, you know, we don't have to get our heads chopped off like the Christians did in the early church, and I'm not kidding. It was tough to be a witness in those days. But it means to report what your eyes have seen. It means to share what your ears have heard. It means to let people in on what your heart has come to understand. It means to report out on the close encounters you have had 
with the holy at work in the world. Call it God. Call that beautiful thing love. Call it spirit. I'm going to call her mama because the words for spirit in Greek, pneuma, and in Hebrew, ruach, are feminine. So the encounter you have with this beautiful mama at work, she's working all the time. There's no place you go where there's no wind. And the word wind and spirit are synonyms. She's working all the time, working hard all the time. And I don't mean you're walking down the street and there's a $50 bill and it's stuck under some gum, but you see it anyway. You pick it up, you pretend like it's not yucky, and you think, oh my gosh, God gave me this $50 bill. That's luck. That's luck. It's good, but that's luck. God's not thinking, Jerry needs $50. Let me drop it. I'm Scott. No, I don't think so. She's too busy. But I think we've all had these really beautiful close encounters with love, with God's grace. And you, it touches you. Something happens. You cry or you, you feel welled up. You feel healed. You feel moved. You feel shifted. In Howard Thurman's lecture, Mysticism and Social Action, he defined mysticism as the response of the individual to a personal encounter with God within her own soul. The response of an individual to a personal encounter with God within her own soul. Now, I don't think of myself as a mystic. I'm too loud. The most I can sit still for is like five minutes. I don't need meditation. I just can't do it. But if this is the definition of mysticism, I, uh, yeah, I'll sign up for this definition, that there can be a moment in time where God will just really blow on you, blow through you. For me, I was a 30-something-year-old, um, troubled and, and down and needing a helping hand. Makes me think about a song lyric. But a relationship had broken up and I felt like a failure. I had sent myself to California, far away from my family, and I was hanging out with other sales reps at East McCarty Company, and we worked so hard for the money, another song lyric. But when we got through working hard for the money, we would go, like, get in the car and drive to Lake Tahoe and gamble or drive across the bridge to, to San Jose and drink margaritas and stuff. I mean, really, a lot of drinking and a lot of partying. I don't think we were alcoholics, but we were definitely medicated. <laughs> definitely medicated. And there was the next day the medicine would still be with you a little bit. Like, oh, that was, that was a tequila gold with the worm in it, you know? And, and I don't know what their story is, but my story was that I was broken up and I was lonely and I was afraid. And I was running from this call to ministry and I thought, I don't know, maybe if I act really crazy, God won't keep calling me. Um, but I went to a church and I met this person who just like standing in line, you know, like you do here, just maybe read my face and said, you know, you should be reading Psalm 139. And that psalm became like this rewiring in my soul. Like, oh my goodness, what? I don't have to be perfect for God to love me. No matter where I go, God's going to love me. If I make my bed in heaven or hell, God's going to love me. If I run away and hide in the corners, God's going to see me. She got x-ray vision, and she knows what time it is. And for me, 
that experience, that both kind of getting in that icky, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know where I'm going place, but then also finding myself landing in the arms of a God who would never, ever, ever leave me was the thing that happened to me that opened up my ability to say yes to my call to ministry and stop running from it. And to really also acknowledge that it wasn't like I was going to be perfect and do it, but that God was going to use my foolishness and my foibles and all my stuff. And it was also the beginning of me understanding, like at 31, that the relationship with God wasn't about me and Jesus being homies. I didn't get that growing up. I got personal salvation, me and Jesus, kicking it. Doesn't matter about the rest. You just do Jesus and you're going to go to heaven and to hell with everything else. But that time in my life opened up my heart in such a way that I began to understand that my relationship with God was about all the people's relationship with God and that I wasn't saved until everybody was saved and that there was no faith to have that was a one-on-one relationship, that the faith was about the faith of a community, like a whole people's faith, a whole community's faith. That's the faith of Israel. That's the faith of Jesus. That's the faith we inherit. A whole people are saved. So I don't know, have any of you ever had a dark night of the soul or a gray night of the soul or a scary, edgy, I don't know exactly what I'm doing moment where you didn't feel exactly like you were tracking with God? And what I want to say to you is, of course we have. And those places, whatever that is, big doubt, not doing about queer, trying to make children, having fertility you know, issues, not knowing what's next, all of those places are these beautiful, vulnerable places where the Holy Spirit descends upon our hearts, like we sang this morning, and like finds a hole in our soul to fill up with love. Amen? Not, not like I'm so fortified, you know, and I've got it together, but that soft place where the Spirit can enter in and really blow around in us and remind us that we're awesome and lovable and gifted and good. And those gifts, both the uk and the good, are the gifts to give the world. That's our testimony. The scripture would say, while we were yet sinners, God came in the world to be with us. While we were imperfect, God came to be with us. While we didn't know what was happening, God came to love us. And that's, that's my story, and you have a story like that. And the world needs our stories. This Pentecost miracle is a miracle of translation. It's the good news of God's deeds of power that are told to these gathered people from all over the world by these Aramaic non-literate folk. Not multivocal folk, not I speak French and Spanish and Portuguese folk, but I speak Aramaic. And you heard me, you got it. Howard Gardner says, leaders tell compelling stories that change the stories already at work in the mind of followers. Let me say that again. He's a psychologist and he says, leaders tell compelling stories 
that change the story already in the mind of followers. Leaders tell stories that change the story. So our, our Pentecost job, having been lit by spirit, having spirit blow through our funky, waspy, mildewy life. <laughs> Y'all see it, right? <laughs> Cleaning out the cobwebs, touching us in the vulnerable space, that our job is to tell the story of how good God is in the language that they can hear it, in Espanol, in Mandarin, but also in young people talk and also in doubter speak. And that's why we at Middle speak Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim. I love, I love when Muhammad takes communion. Where is he? <laughs> we speak doubter. We speak agnostic. We speak super Christian. But we speak it all because we have to speak it all so that nobody has to miss the news. Because God knows we need to change the story, right? That's right, Ella. You tell them, honey. The stories that are out there are cruel and mean. They're Adam and God made Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. Isn't that the stupidest thing you ever want to hear? That's a stupid story. <laughs> the hell? And it, and it limits God, really? Like, like she ain't got no imagination. Yeah, I mean. It's a, it's, a, it's a false story. It's a lie. And all those stories that are out there, Native Americans are alcoholics, and Latino people like red, and white people can't jump. And, you know. <laughs> Somebody over here saying, that's true. <laughs> and, and, and white people are better than black people, better than brown people, right? That's crazy. Those stories need our intervention. Those stories need us to translate the good news of God's love in the languages that little ones can understand. Oh, we're back in love now. I see how you... <laughs> I see how you do me. <laughs> that water was cold, Auntie. Um, inside ourselves is locked up the truths we know. We know these truths. We don't believe that stuff. But sometimes we're silent. Sometimes we don't stand up. Sometimes we don't take a risk. I'm telling you, it's your job to not be silent. Howard Thurman said, don't be silent because there's so much power to be unleashed in you. You've got the Pentecost power, baby. Not me and Bertram and Amanda in our red robes. Yes, us. Yes, the staff. Yes, yes. Yes, the choir. Yes, we've got the power. And yes, Middle Church is having an impact in the world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. May 16th, as recently as May 16th, somebody watched our bold new love Christmas thing and sent a note saying, oh my God, I've never seen any place like that. They're quoting us at the Center for Action and Contemplation. They're looking us up online. Somebody called me and asked me, could they use our Pentecost worship from 2017 in their worship today? You're doing that, Middle, and you got to own that. Amen. <coughs> but I'm also talking about something else. 
I want you to own what we're doing in mass. But every single person in this room and anybody online listening, you have power all by yourself to change the story and a calling to do it right there in the classroom, right there in your consulting practice, right there when you're at the office, right there when you're volunteering to watch kids, right there when you're parenting your babies, right exactly where you are. You're the only one who is exactly like you with your story through which to tell the story. Nobody else has your story. The gospel will be bent through your story. And the person who will hear it from you needs to hear exactly what you have to say to heal the world, to calm the torrent in them, to make this movement of love and justice happen. It is your calling because the spirit has come to speak truth to power everywhere you can in your sphere of influence. That's your job. That's what Pentecost is about. It's a miracle of communication. And the thing we have to communicate is something that will radically alter the story of America. Now. Yes, that's right. So I'm calling on you, imploring you, beseeching you, exhorting you to not let this thing, this story, feel like some otherworldly fires landing, and we can ignore it. I'm asking you to hear the truth of the story. Those Aramaic folks knew how to translate and did, by God. <laughs> and through power of spirit, and you know how to do it as well. So singing in the choir, making butterfly sandwiches, but also on the subway, on the street, at your mama and them's house. Everywhere you are, you are a Pentecost power at work in the world. And I'm asking you to do this with, the, with love and with a sense of urgency because these are hot mess times. And only those of us who get it will get it until they get it. And they get it because we give it. Somebody say amen. 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 Uh, good afternoon, Middle. Hello, I'm Sanghyun Bang, uh, originally from Seoul, South Korea. I first, uh, first met God uh, about six years ago, and my life has been changed in a good way. I was at a Korean church for one year in Seoul before I came to New York. Then I was at this Korean Presbyterian church in NY for four years. Born and bred in Seoul, Koreans still don't openly talk about their sexuality, especially when you're homosexual. And you deny your genuine sexuality when 
People ask you, are you gay? Some people are okay with homosexuality, but still uh, some are not. I fully didn't know my sexuality till I came to New York. Then this wicked city has freed me. Uh, I'm usually honest and straight to the point. Sometimes I make problems. Uh, it was hard to hide a part of me, lesbian, at this Korean church. It just felt lonely. I thought, is this a sin? Is that why I have to go through this sadness? I just prayed to God. The answer was, no, it is not a sin. It is natural, and I was born this way. I have always been attracted to women. My professor from my college told me to visit Middle Church, and I only saw the facade, and I knew I wanted to come here. In Middle, I can be 100% myself and reflect on myself if I'm loving my neighbor. Checking if, I, checking if my faith in God is not just complacent. I didn't usually bring up my Christianity because it makes people young and sleepy. <laughs> now, if I have a chance, I bring up middle because I'm confident that middle, middle welcomes everyone, loves neighbors through real actions, and it is not boring. Today, it is my great pleasure to send the invitations before I'm moving back to my uh, country. This next Sunday will be my, oh, yeah, last Sunday for now. But I will come back. I will come back. Uh, let's not get sappy. Yeah, okay. So this is what I copy and paste from middle uh, staff. So to learn more or become a member of middle church, please Please uh, visit the, join the movement station right here at the pulpit after worship. And you might, and you might join in the gospel choir, stand for justice at a protest, or make a monetary offering. You can place your donations in offering bags in a few moments later, and, or text to donate, or donate online at midchurch.org. Thanks for sharing your love.
Let us pray. Lord, we pray to feel your spirit moving in our hearts, that you send us out to be light and love and healing and transformation wherever we are in this world. God, we pray especially for Sung Hyun as she goes back to Korea, that she would know your spirit, that she would feel the love of this church, um, strengthening her in her spirit and blessing her with new community there. God, we pray for every person in the city who is lonely and lost in need of your support. Use these blessings, these ties to touch and transform your world. We pray this trusting in your holy names and your love for us. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be, oh, continue standing as we sing our final hymn. family let this Pentecost holiday feel like something that's not for us we're not Pentecostal 
We're not those people. We don't do that. <laughs> we have an incredible charism in this place. Incredible charism in this place. Incredible joy and power and laughter and song and art and justice. All of those charisms. Yes, all of those charisms. And you are the people of the Pentecost. It's your job, your job, to translate this gospel, this good news of God's love for all of us, in such a way that the world catches on fire with it. On fire with it. So I want to invite you to find your inner badass. Which is not a curse word on Sunday mornings. Find your inner rebel, your inner, you know, rabble rouser. And I want to see you be brave. I want to see you be really brave. Say what you want to say. Let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to see you be brave with what you want to say. Don't be silent. Unleash your power on a world needing your love. Hit it, guys. Go in the world. Go! Right.